undisclosed location deep in the Smoky Mountains of East Tennessee. Two hillbillies armed with nothing more than microphones, loud mouths, and quick wit have found their way onto the internet. Oh, my stars. Tune in weekly to discuss things like sports. We're here playing game six of the World Series, so we're going to fight. We're going to finish this thing. Politics. We did it once, and now we will do it again. And this time, we're going to finish the job. Current events. Come after me. I'm a man! I'm 40! Faith or any other topic that they have found interesting. It's drastically changed my life. Welcome to Think Like a Man with Daniel Overton and Jeremy Sellers. Welcome back to the Think Like a Man podcast. We are so thankful that you have decided again to take an hour or so out of your time this week to spend with us. We've got a great show ahead of you. Uh, Guess what? This time the guest showed up. (laughs) So we're not not scrambling for... um, to, to figure out what we're going to do. We hope those that listened to last week's uh, ad-libbed uh, spur-of-the-moment podcast that you enjoyed it. I did get some feedback from some people. They said they really liked it. So Trivia. Yeah. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, we were quickly uh, headed towards Christmas. Before we know it, it'll be here. We've just got a – it seems like – man, it seemed like it took forever when you were a kid. Oh yeah, it comes and goes now. Yep, and you know you're you're you, one day you're eating turkey, the next day it's New Year's Day. So, um, so anyway, we're we're speeding towards that. We've got a couple of Christmas episodes coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we will have a video, believe it or not, on YouTube this week. Uh, I got the right part, so the uh, the uh, iPad's working. So those that are be watching later on YouTube, you'll be able to see us. And I don't have a hat on for the first time in a while. I'm going to change that in just a minute because we've got to cheat. We've got to. Um, I'm just looking for a glare. <laughs> yeah, need a little makeup. Uh, we're going to we're going to pick the uh, winners from the gift card that everybody spent all week uh, registering for. Some of them took advantage of the. You're able to. Um, Enter more than once by doing the what you're asked to do, and so those that did that, trust me, you're you're in there as many times as you did what was asked to do. So, uh, again, we'd like to thank Boutique Thirty One for their sponsor ship this this week. Uh, you see her back of her head. Caitlin is back with us again this week. You're going to see her all the time anymore. Uh, so get used to get used to that. And so uh, we're introducing co-host number two. <laughs> Yeah, well, if you look at back episodes a little bit, we introduced the co-host. Yeah, now our co-host to two. Right. So Diarco will. Uh, Diarco had. I talked to him this week, and he's fine. He's just he's got things to do as a young father and and husband, and that he needs to. You know, that's where his most of his efforts need to be. And so he's going to come and go and come and go. And he's lining up a pretty cool guest for us, hopefully in January. And um, so he, you'll see him again. I told him last week two of his biggest fans were two 70 year old white women hmm. uh <laughs> my mom and her best friend and which i thought was kind of funny and speaking of that i got uh fussed at by my mom uh, yesterday when i went to see her that i she told me to stop saying freaking hmm. and so i don't guess it matters how old you get your mom's still gonna be telling you what to do and how to do it and she said and i don't even care if you tell me them i told you this on the podcast uh, even only your mom was around for the editing process <laughs> yeah I, listen <laughs> i promise mom there's ne- that's never been edited out i, I trust uh, trust me on that so uh boutique 31 again is our sponsor for this week uh also be sure that you are um finding us on soundcloud i had somebody tell me that they're listening on soundcloud iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, 
all the other podcast platforms, YouTube. If you'd like to get in touch with us, <clears throat> email is probably the best way. Or if you're following us through Facebook, the Think Like a Man Facebook page, you can uh, message us directly through there or through email, which is uh, thinklam2019 at gmail. So it's thinklam2019 at gmail. Well, on behalf of Boutique 31 too. Jeremy drew attention this week. Our website completely crashed, so that 10% off code that you're supposed to be able to use was down for like four days because our website totally went off. It is back up and active this morning. We tested the code THINK, T-H-I-N-K, gets you 10% off your purchase. All right. You hear that, gentlemen? That's a great place to buy something for your wife. Don't forget you can come in person. It's here in White Pine or... You can go to boutique31.com because apparently it's working again. Uh, and uh, we crashed the site. We're that popular. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but, uh, you know, we're, like I said earlier, we're, we're quickly tracking towards Christmas, but they've got great stuff over there. And uh, I'm sure they even, if you called in, and they could even help you pick some stuff over the phone, but they'll ship it anywhere you want to go. And at checkout, use the code THINK for a 10% discount on your first purchase. So let's get to the most important thing first. I know there's a bunch of people that are wanting to see who wins the two gift cards. Um, I promised um, everybody's in here, like I said, and I wrote it down, but uh, Caitlin's going to pick it because she didn't, she wasn't even here when I did it. So Caitlin, we need, we need two names out of there. And I really hope you can read my handwriting. All okay, right. So what's the first one? Daniel Overton. <laughs> <laughs> Lies. Apparently, you can't read it. Is that N- Nina Walker? Something Walker. Uh, Starts with an N. That is Nina Walker. Nina Walker. Okay. Nina right. Walker wins one of the gift cards. And the second one... Corey Harkle Road. Corey Harkle Road wins the second gift card. All right, guys. We have to redraw. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> uh, I will be in touch with both of you to get your mail-in information. We'll get, I'm going to try to get it in the mail tomorrow, but maybe Wednesday. depends on how quickly you respond to my message to I give me your... I think we might be able to just hand Corey his. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so... And Corey, I'll town. hand you that gift card for 20 bucks. So, um, so while, right now, while I feel naked... <laughs> put the hat on yep get the hat on we're we're back to normal now all right so to the more important thing out of everything y'all got your butts kicked this week by me i saw your bowl games i went for upset just saying yeah well you went wrong i was too upset to even go back and look so yeah. I, so caitlin's a dogs fan if yeah, you, i could tell that by her, <laughs> oh yeah yeah she's got her so you paid a lot more attention to that than i did yeah. Uh, so yeah, she was crying the blues. I, I told you they were going to get killed. Oh, I knew it was going to happen. I was just going for the upset. I, mean, I was kind of like me in Virginia. Yeah. I mean, that what a dumb pick, Virginia. but I was kind of hoping. So this week's pick, I went seven and three. Actually, you and me tied. You went seven and three. What? Yeah, Daniel's the one who has a four and six record. Yep. So uh, you're five. You and him are actually tied, and I'm five games ahead. So we're going to pick uh, a few more this afternoon with our guest. And um, for for the upcoming bowl games, we got a few we're going to do this week with him. And um, so we'll, we'll get to that here at the end of the, uh, end of the broadcast. So we're going to move on to um, our guest for today. Uh, this man, uh, one of the funny things, uh, I always like to try to do some background on who's coming just so you can introduce him properly. Mm-hmm. 
that uh, you don't do that with law enforcement. You start getting a bunch of raised eyebrows, and w- what are you asking that question for? So yeah. I, I even uh, talked to Donna this week, and I said, "Hey, you know anything you got that you know can help a brother out here? I'd appreciate it. I don't want to be too conspicuous about what I'm doing." And she she drew a she wasn't having much luck either. But so I'm going to give him the opportunity to uh, tell us. We're, we're, I'll start with this. First of all, we've got the sheriff of Jefferson County with us, Jeff Coffey. Uh, he's in his first term with uh, as sheriff, and but he has a background prior to being a sheriff, and that's what I'd like for you to tell us about as we get started here. Okay, great. Um, started out in uh, about 88, law enforcement career in Granger County. Uh, I went to MT school out of, out of high school. Okay. And... Uh, at uh, age 18, once I got out of EMT school, well, everybody was like, well, you got to be 21 to be on the insurance to drive the ambulance. So nobody would hire me. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I went to EMT school, and what am I going to do with it? The sheriff in Granger County hired me over there as a jailer and dispatcher. I started out. And then I'd found out that Jefferson County actually, you could actually work at age 18. So With the I, sheriff's department? No, with the EMS. Oh, with EMS, okay. So I started working over here part-time. And... Uh, Worked both places, uh, left there and come to EMS, uh, went on into paramedic school, uh, got out of paramedic school, and uh, I worked EMS. You just work a bunch of places. I worked at Rural Metro, worked at Morristown EMS, I worked at Granger County because there was so a shortage at the time. You just worked everywhere. And sometimes I'd work 48 hours on and 24 off. You'd work one place and go to mm-hmm. the next. And, you were uh, a young man then. Yeah, I was a young you man You could do then. it. Yes. <laughs> And uh, so uh, I, I got out of paramedic school, and I worked a couple of years, and then I went to the academy. Okay. And uh, when I got out of the academy, I got a job at Jefferson City. I worked there for 10 years. See, I didn't know that. I didn't as know a, you were with... a police officer there. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and continued my paramedic up, and I, I continued up to today. Okay. Um, I've 27 years as a certified paramedic. Really? So uh, I celebrated uh, last year. Um, Oops. I forgot yeah. to tell us to talk. Mine's on now that I think about it. Well, I, I thought I'd, I'd done that, but evidently I hadn't. Uh, but uh, I left there and went, uh, I think it was 03, <clears throat> as an EMS deputy director. Okay. And then went on as the, dep- the director of EMS. Is that here in Jefferson, Jefferson County? Jefferson County. Okay. Done that for a couple of years. And then in 05, I went to the Highway Patrol. Okay. I was there for 13 years. Um, uh was a uh, explosive canine handler mm-hmm. for 11 of that uh, 13 years. Was on the strike team. Then, you know, a few things with it, some opportunities I got to do. I got selected, forget what year it was, to go. They select 40 troopers uh, to go do the presidential inauguration. I got to do one of those. Up Did in you? DC. That was, that really? Was, uh, that was pretty amazing. I bet. Which which president? It was, uh, uh, I think, Obama's second term. I was going to say, it'd have to be Obama with yeah. you. And uh, went uh, went and done that. That was that, that was a great experience to, to go part of that. There was like thirty five hundred officers from across the nation. Really, we all got sworn in at the same time and got the opportunity to do that. And then, you know, I put my name in the hat for sheriff and uh, got elected in eighteen and took office on September first of two thousand eighteen. And here I am. Wow, that's. Um, I'm glad you brought up Obama because that was that was one of the first things that that. I wanted to talk to you about. And so you've been from patrol officer to highway patrol, now the sheriff. And so you've seen every aspect of 
civilian walk of life. Yes. Um, that administration, in my opinion, did a lot of damage to the relationship between law enforcement and the regular civilian. I think they tried to. I mean, you, you can just look at it. You can look at all the problems that arose in the and the breakdown between your your normal or your regular everyday police officer and Joe Public. It's 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 just awful, you know. Absolutely. And so it, it's a battle that guys and girls are still fighting today. Yes. And uh, I don't think the, what they did was they took some obscure places somewhere. I mean, anybody's been in the workforce for five minutes. I don't care if you're law enforcement or you're uh, you do what I do. You got bad apples. I've hired bad apples. That is not reflective of the whole group of people. But that administration took that the opportunity to erode that relationship between law enforcement and the civilian. And so now we're, we're dealing with a lot of problems. How much of that are you seeing within – we're in a little different county. We're very rural. We're not dealing with a large city, even Knoxville or Atlanta or anything like that. Are you seeing any of that? If you are, how are you combating it? What's your thoughts on that whole process? We're not really seeing that here in Jefferson County. Right. I mean, um, I've got officers that's uh, coming here from uh, neighboring counties and larger counties mm-hmm. that saying they're just amazed how different it is here. Right. How you when know, they say different, what do they mean? Uh, that just how people, how friendly people are. Okay. You know, and he said, you know, you go out to eat and people are offering. You know, you get up and somebody's picked your tab up. Right. He said, you know that you know where I came from. He said that you know it just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, and here, I mean, it's just a little bit more atmosphere. Uh, you know, they they say it's just different. Mm-hmm. There's still that respect mm-hmm. uh, for. <laughs> Speaking of that, we, we in our show last week we were playing Would You Rather, and it pops up on the phone. Would you rather smack a teacher or a police officer? And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm hitting the teacher all day long. You know, so so but it's just ingrained. Yeah, it, it, you know, and uh, I think it's a southern thing. It is, and I mean, but I mean, Jefferson County, I mean, the people are just who they are. Right. They don't pretend to be anybody else. Right. And I mean. And you can deal with that. Oh, yeah. You know? Exactly. I mean, you know, just like you said, we're going to have, we got guys go out there that don't, you know, that make poor decisions, don't Mm -hmm. make the right decisions on handling things. I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, but for the most part, you know, I tried to tell them, I said, you know, we need to be servants. Mm -hmm. We're we're just not out there to enforce the law. I mean, you you know, we don't have a lot of... uh, a different, I guess, divisions or things to offer. Right. When you know when people call and say, "I need this," let's help them. Let's do mm-hmm. what we can to help them. Um, uh, but you know, going back to uh, when we you was talking about President Obama, uh, I think all that started in the suburbs of St. Louis mm-hmm. with my. Uh, I want to say Michael Michael Moore, but that's Mike, not it's Michael name. Brown. Michael Mike, Brown. Yeah, Mike Brown. Yeah, Mike Brown. That whole thing. Mm-hmm. And the president of the United States stood up there and just condemned the officers yes. without even knowing the truth. Right. And uh, and that, that's where it all started. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you just he had a match and he lit it, mm-hmm. and uh, and then everybody else got compared. Every incident got compared to Michael Brown's incident there for a while. And uh, I mean, you know, we've had uh, three officers over the weekend. Uh, murdered in this right. country. Right. One sitting in his car in the parking lot of the police department. Yeah, two-year, got been on, young man, been on the job two years, sitting in the back uh, 
parking lot of the Fayetteville Police Department and comes up and just executes him. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And uh, one of them, uh, then one of them was doing a drug activity, and the other one was answering that the most dangerous call we always say is mm-hmm. domestic. Mm-hmm. And I mean, but you know, the trend just you know keeps continuing. I mean, it's uh, it's. And I think they've added they've. The thought may have always been there in the back of their mind to do some of these things, but they have, they've given them the courage to do it now. Am I explaining myself right? Where you normally, they wouldn't have acted on that. Well, now they're like, yeah, we're going to do it because they did it in such and such a city and they did it in such and such a city. And I just don't get the disdain the hatred for law enforcement. Now, I mean, Somebody kicks your door in, the guy you were just cussing, and this is the great thing about law enforcement. The guy that you were just cussing 30 minutes ago down on the corner of the street, now you've called him to come help you, and he's coming. Yeah, right. He's forgotten all about what you just did. May have hurt his feelings, but he's going to come do his job and take care of you and your family and do what he or she's going to be able to do to, to help you all out. And I just... It's it's disheartening to to see how they're treated and and the just the the murders. I mean, call it what it is. It, it's a flat point blank murder of what they did to these officers. And um, if if you were not in Jefferson County, let's say you are um, chief of police in Atlanta, that's your job. What do you tell your officers? How do you tell them to handle this? Same way. We're, we're from a servant perspective. You know, it's a little yeah. hypothetical. I yeah. understand that, but right. I mean, you just got to tell them to go do their job, right? And and be servants to the people, right? And I mean, it, you're you're going to have the people that just don't like law enforcement, right? I mean, we've got them here in this county. Oh yeah, and I mean, they'll 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 flat tell you. Uh, you know, I've I've come across them as a trooper. I've come across that across them as being sheriff. And you're going to tell those people, you know, well, just I don't like you, right? And uh, uh, hold your head up high, mm-hmm. do your job, be respectful to them people. And do the right home. thing. Yeah. At and, the end and, of the day, that's all you got. Yeah. I spoke to the uh, Water State graduating class of new police officers last Friday. Oh, did you? And uh, I made reference to the song um, George Strait had released back in March, uh, uh, The Weight of the Badge. Oh, and, okay. And, you know, he talked about, you know, he was at the Texan of the Year ceremony I think with it, maybe the first year okay. or something, and his grandson was there, and a police officer actually took his badge off and pinned it onto his grandson's shirt. Oh, really? Well, this you know the weight of the badge, the shirts, the fabric oh. started sagging down, and right. he said, you know that badge didn't look that heavy until he put it on. Mm-hmm. But his song talks about a police officer going out to do his job every day, mm-hmm. and you know the struggles that he has, mm-hmm. and you know and just going out to protect and serve. And I, and I told I told them as as I wrapped up up there, I told them I said, listen. I said, there's a lot of weight you got to carry with this bag. There's a lot of responsibility, mm-hmm. and this weight goes all the way to the heart. I said, but I want, I want you to promise me you'll do one thing. When that politician stands before a camera and starts criticizing law enforcement for something they've done without even knowing the truth, right? because they're pandering to their base, stand tall and carry that weight. Right. Because, you know... And it happens, and it's happened since mm-hmm. since we, we you know we go back to that. But there's been plenty of politicians I've sit up there and just condemning law enforcement. Right. I mean, you've had some that in some cities that says they ought to dismantle the police department. And I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, but, but, with that. You, you know, you're not sitting there <laughs> yeah, going, no okay, okay, yeah, yeah, let's just dismantle it, and everybody just do whatever they want, you mm-hmm. know. 
And I mean, you know, it's just uh, it's just unbelievable. And I, I see where they're coming from. Has it happened? Yes. Mm-hmm. Will it continue to happen in some certain cir- uh, cir- uh, circumstances? Yes, it's going to mm-hmm. happen. You know, we've seen it. Officers are bad, like you said, bad right. apples. Well, I was- but that's not a reflection. Actually, if you look at all the statistics, uh, there's more uh, clergymen that are breaking the law right. than law enforcement right. officers. Well, so. I'm a minister, youth pastor, so that, that, to piggyback his question just for a second, and it just got me thinking, and you're right, like I watch the news and you see like youth pastor arrested for sending pictures or dealing underage or whatever it is, and you see that and you see that and you see that and it's awful, which I can't do anything about it. You know, right. It's, it's, so my question, what I was wondering is, coming from the sheriff, the point of view as sheriff of the whole department. Right. So you got bad apples. I'm not saying here, but just every, you know, right. just wherever, wherever you're at in that area. How do you police the police? Does that make sense? Oh, like how do you handle that part of the job of if you're in a department and you, you know you come across it, you do have a bad apple doing whatever. How does that work? Well, I, I think it's some of the things like we're working on at, at our department. Um, see, we never had body cameras. We've got the in-car cameras. I mm-hmm. love those. But the, the body cams, we're in the process of trying to maybe doing some bids. After That's the huge. First year. The videos don't lie. But exactly. Right. I mean, you've got three sides of each story. Mm-hmm. Their side, this side, and in the, the, in the middle, you've got the truth. When right. you've got a body cam, you've got the truth. Right. And that's what we're trying to – because, I mean, when you've got those, you can always go back and start – if you know, if you start getting some questions about an officer doing some bad habits or doing some things, you can go back to the body camera and say, you know, if somebody says, I got some concerns about this guy, where you mm-hmm. can see what's going on on these calls and start identifying maybe some problems before they arise. Like a habit. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you know, like Knoxville, you know, they're going through their thing now where they're right. trying after that last year. It shooting. shocked me that KPD didn't have body cams. Well, it's. They're just now, I saw something on the news where they're trying to. Get it bid out, yeah, too, or something. Get it out. But, I mean, it's expensive. Yeah. And what's expensive about it is the storage. Right. I mean, when you store all those videos, I mean, every day, every contact they make, it's Every it's call. Recording. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, there's a lot of data that's going to have to be stored somewhere. And these mm-hmm. companies are offering their own uh, their own storage. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it, it's not it's not cheap. Well, right. It's like Apple. You get, like, the first gig free, and then it's like 20 <laughs> bucks for everything else. <laughs> yeah. Like, every time you go up. But, yeah. Um, well, and I think that prime example of the Michael Brown issue, I think a body camera. You saw the problem. Right. You know exactly what happened on that street. Oh, the only camera they had in that was what was from the convenience store, right? The, the, yes. the officer didn't, didn't have, have a. Yeah, yeah, he didn't have that. And I don't think they had an in car. Right. Yeah, then you. It's he said, she no, said. No, because you had the officer saying, I remember all that. Then you had the officer saying he turned and lunged him. And then right. you know, everybody said, well, he was running. If he had a body camera. That answers that, that question. That answers that. Did he turn and mm-hmm. lunge or did he, was he walking away? You know, whatever. So. so one of the things I think would be extremely hard for you, and this is. You and I are not the same, but we are the same in, in, in one way. I'm running my own business. I've got people that work for me. Right. The difference is they're not carrying guns. They're not answering calls. They're not making decisions that are life and death. But they're still making decisions that can affect me, my business. You know, I put the wrong person in somebody's house, and they, you know, I go to Home Depot to get something. They're going through their nightstand. You know, that ruins my reputation. Exactly. So... How do you, just kind of going off of what you said, be a uh, trustworthy person to allow this man or woman to do their job, but still keep 
some control over like I'm constantly looking at my guys and I'm, I'm looking for habits or, okay, that's not, we need to correct that. Now I want to give them the leash to be able to, you know what I'm saying? You're in a lot worse situation than I am. Somebody makes a bad decision out here and people die. Right. It's a whole, how do you balance that? How, How do you allow them to be responsible, do their job without micromanaging? Right. But still keep, feelers out there <clears throat> well I, I think a lot of it goes on to your supervisors that's out on your they, they've got to be your eyes and ears right i mean that's like right now i'm sitting in here i've got a supervisor out there that's got six under him he's monitoring them he's watching them mm-hmm. and then uh, you know but the thing to me the most I, i've got the four shift i got the four supervisors and i've got outstanding supervisors that mm-hmm. go in uh, they know what uh, they share the same the mission that we have, they see that it, that it gets carried out and uh, working with, uh, you know, the public. And I, I'm just, I'm just real proud of them. But you know, the thing that I do know, and if they have things and they come up and they say, Hey, this is what's going on, you know, and I tell them, don't come to me to ask me for permission to address them. Right. But, but because it's like anything else, you give them an inch and right. take a mile. <laughs> right. Once they start doing those bad habits, but you know, that's the biggest, that's the face of, of, me being sheriff, mm-hmm. when you're sitting there and you call for the sheriff and you say somebody's broke into my outbuilding, if I pull up there and I'm just, all right, you broke into your outbuilding, you right. write stuff down. And when they, when that car backs out, it says sheriff on the side. It don't say deputy. Right. It says sheriff. Mm-hmm. And, and the, when they see sheriff, the only thing they think about is you, is me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and they're the face of our department. And that's why I really stress on our patrol about being professional, mm-hmm. being servants, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, and, and it surprises me that, you know, they've bought in. They, I've got great men and women that work for me. And I'll just be honest That's with the you. key, getting them to buy in. And, and they've bought into it. And, I mean, and, and I'll, I'll tell you all, if I get more compliments than I do complaints. That's great. And, That's the way it should be. You know, and it, it's, just the, it's just the extra little. I had one, he just gets called to an elderly lady locked out of her home. He pulls up. It's a remote area in the south part of the county. He pulls up. It's an elderly lady with her daughter. She's locked her keys out of the house, and he pulls up. You know what's going on? Well, she's locked her keys in the house. We've got a locksmith coming. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a busy night. He sat there for like 40 minutes behind him till the locksmith got there because, you know, it was dark. It's peace of there. mind for her. And, and, and she calls me, and she said, you don't know what it meant for right. him just to sit out there Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with us. And, you know, and I told him, I said, that's what I'm talking so about. So you allowed that deputy to make that decision. Oh, on his own. On his own. Yeah. I said, and that, know, that's great. You know, be a servant. And, and that's what he done. And, and I, I called him afterwards and I said, Hey, outstanding job. I said, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Here. You know, it's not all about going and putting somebody in jail. Right. I mean, it's about going. Now, if they need serving. to, we'll hook them up. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, if somebody if somebody needs to go to jail, I mean, let's put them in jail. I'm kind of hoping Daniel does something stupid in here tonight. I'll help you. <laughs> You'll need his help. <laughs> but that's that's what I told that class too up there. When they, I had them all in front of me, and I told them, I said, "Don't be this guy or gal. Don't be that one that comes in and said, I arrested fifty people right. this month. It's not a competition. Right. This is not a game. You're out there to serve the public." Go out there. If somebody needs to be arrested, arrest them. Don't be just out there trying to arrest everybody you can for every mm-hmm. little fraction that you mm-hmm. can. Because I mean, you don't know what that person's going through. Exactly. Right there. Exactly. Take the whole scope of that individual, not three minutes that you just dealt with them. 
Yeah. And I, what I would like for people to understand is what these officers deal with on a daily basis. When I was with the sheriff's department in that short two year period, I completely changed my attitude. My, um, my wife said something to me one time, you're not the person that I married. And, and she was right. I'd become a butthole. It was, it just happened. You know, over time you get tired of being lied to, you get tired of chasing the same guy over and over again, just all that crap. And so, but what I don't think a lot of people understand is, is these officers, they go out there, they may have just come from a, a, a motor vehicle accident that's, that a child died in. Yes. They work that for two or three hours. Then they go and they've, they've gone to an overdose and that person didn't make it. And then they, they, there's a child that's missing and they, and all the, this is every day, yeah. you know, and it compounds on. And so then they show up to your house and all you want to do is berate them for one little thing. I would ask the public for compassion and mercy towards these officers, the men and women that are out there, they're there to protect and serve. Absolutely. And, and to help you in your time in need. So give them some grace, you know, extend that to them. Cause you don't just like, they don't know what you've gone through in the last week. You don't know what call that officer just came from right before he or she pulled up on in your driveway. Exactly. So instead of coming out with your dukes up, ready, cussing and hollering and all the stuff that goes along with that, show some grace to these individuals. And, and I, if that can start to happen, I think we start to mend <coughs> some of these fences that have been torn down over the past several years. Right. It's, it's, it's where you got to start anyway. Yeah. And I think we're moving that way. I think you've seen a lot of Mm -hmm. back the blue. You've seen a lot of people that stepped up and said, Hey, enough's enough. Right. You know, uh, we're always going to have the instance like we, you know, we had over the weekend. I mean, the, you know, drugs, Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just as simple as that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what that's what runs our county. That's what runs our country, our state. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just you look at all the figures, and you know you see the people that are incarcerated. Mm-hmm. It's all. I mean, you know, ninety percent of your population is on there because of drugs. Right. It may not be a drug charge, but they were out stealing, right, or burglarizing things because so of they could, this, so yep. they could get their drugs. So a lot of complaints go against that to the law enforcement side, but I think a lot of it the blame should go toward the justice system side does it bother you as a police officer or does it i mean how, how does it take its toll when you arrest somebody for drugs the next day you see them out well it's it, it don't bother me because i understand the fact that it's just it's overwhelming yeah mm-hmm. i mean you've it, only got so many i mean hamlin county is about to shut the jail down like you can only do what yeah. you can do i know that but i mean I just see me to me it would take its toll like you, you know how often do you have to arrest someone with the same thing over and over again before. Oh yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, it's it's the point of, you know, what can we do with all that? If they took all of them and throw them all in jail, mm-hmm. I mean, we're because of our male population, we we got recertification last week, but we're in an after action plan because of our male population. What does that mean? That means that we'll be working closely with the uh, the state on our population as far as our male population trying to find different avenues of trying to reduce that. Right. Because, I mean, when it gets to a certain point, when you start getting like Hamlin County, that's when they come up and say, yeah, you're building a new jail. Right. And we don't want to, we want to use some alternative things. And ours isn't that old. Yeah. I mean, it's what, 2007. Yeah. So, I mean, you're not looking at it in an old facility, but I mean, uh, you know, last year our population was up around 300 at some point. Really? You know, when they come and done an inspection, we was at 285. 
you know, we're supposed to be at the two thirty mark. So, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it gets busy, but I mean, a lot of that too is, is, I mean, you got a lot of officers out here that are working hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, you right. know, I mean, you know, at one time we had, uh, I remember that one grand jury we had almost counting us and also the Jefferson city police department. We had about like 60 drug indictments. It was served. Yeah. And people went to jail. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you got to put them somewhere when them guys come to jail. I mean, they're stack they're them in there, there like cordwood. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and we're going to continue on that pace. I mean, you know, we'll we'll have other grand juries, and it's going to be the same way. You're mm-hmm. going to have that 30, 40, 50 mark that's going to flood your jails, and then it's going to trickle out until it starts coming up to court. Mm-hmm. Then they get their court time. But, I mean, the state's been real good to us. I mean, we've probably sent, I'd say, probably 15 to 20 into prison. Have you? Um, in the last little bit, and also some females. Our females were not, were not bad out. I mean, I think we had 15 empty beds. For females, wow. as far as uh, last weekend, but uh, um, you know it. Caitlin and her crew could fill that up. <laughs> <laughs> they got a little rowdy down there when the dogs got whooped. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <a little> bit. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought up the drug thing. That was that was something else that I wanted to talk about. I mean, it by all means, it's an epidemic. You, you know, um, absolutely. What are you seeing? Is it still? Um, opioid related or is it is that majority of what you're dealing with the pills that kind of thing or is it more of your harder heroines cocaines that kind of thing the it, it they're still there but at, at the forefront is methamphetamine okay methamphetamine 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 mm-hmm. i mean it's 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 the growing trend i mean it's changed so much since i've come into office uh, our community is getting flooded. It's coming across the border. That was what when I was going to ask you. When they you. talk about border security, yeah. you know, I've, I've been in the meetings where they talk about it's coming across the border and we don't know how to stop it. Right. I mean, they've used so many different avenues of trying to change it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, now you got liquid methamphetamine coming across the border. Wow. So, that, I mean, they're liquefying it so they, they can sneak it in a little bit easier sure. in different ways, and then they, they convert it over into the crystal meth now. Really? But, I mean, it's uh, – Well, I won't get into that. I was trying to say how they do that. We don't need to talk about that. I don't know who's listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> so, But, you know, they're converting it once it gets here. Okay. But, I mean, you know, and the the price, you know, fluctuates. It has ever since I've come. And you can tell when it's just – but it's getting flooded. It's getting flooded in here by the cartels. Are you seeing more of it coming in that way as opposed to people making their own – in the trailer behind the house, you know, for a period of time, that was a big deal. I mean, crap, every oh, other yeah. day you heard something blowing up. and But I hadn't heard anything like that in a long time. No, it, it's it's not. And it's it's so cheap to get it this way. Right. Who wants to go cook yeah, it? Yeah, and, I mean, who wants to take the risk of trying to cook it and all that when it, it's everywhere? And, I mean, it's it's not that expensive. Right. You could go out and buy that as, you know, buy the amount that you're going to make. Probably cheaper than what you could make it for. Really? So I mean, and you're not going to blow yourself up in the process. Yeah, you're not going to blow yourself up, and you ain't got you know the contaminating. Right. And I mean, you know, those people know when you know they're making it the odors and all that, and you right. get the phone calls. We've not had any since I've come in. Really? I don't know prior to that, but you just don't see it anymore. I mean, yeah. there's so much on the street. Why would you even want to bother with it? Right. I mean that that that's the that's the sad. Uh, reality that so when have. it when it comes into jefferson county again being rural it's not atlanta or nashville or something like that i, I guess what i can't get my head around sometimes is it is it coming in for users or are there actually pretty big wheeler wheeling dealers in this area that are distributing it does that make sense yeah so well, i mean you have the distributions that come out of 
you know, the larger cities. Right. And it's just cut from there and then brought in here. It may okay. be brought in, you know, we had a traffic stop where they brought in like a half pound uh, that our deputies made. Mm-hmm. That, I think uh, I saw that in the paper. It's been yeah. the last week or so, wasn't it? Yeah, well, the, this one we, we really haven't released yet. I'm getting ready to, but it was a canine alert. And he had okay. About a, he had about a half a pound of meth, and that, that's a lot of meth. Yeah. And then we had another, it was like 160 grams, 166 grams. And then we had another traffic stop that I'm getting ready to release. It was like 60-something grams. Wow. So, I mean, it's getting cut in different areas and coming into here. And, I mean, you know, you set up and you're talking about small amounts that they're selling. you got a half a pound of methamphetamine. You're going to be selling a lot of it. But right. that half a pound, he's actually distributing it to other areas. We live in a active corridor, so to speak, here with... The interstate. The interstate. You yes. know, 40. I mean, we're almost a hub right here. You got 81 going all the way through New York and up through there, and 75 just down in Knoxville headed, you know. So I've, as I've driven down the interstates before, I've just wondered who have I passed or who just passed me that's got a trunk load full that's headed to Miami or it's coming from Miami. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought I saw – you all did something on the interstate recently, didn't you? Uh, an interdiction type? Yeah, well, we teamed up with the Highway Patrol and done a couple okay. of days of interdiction with them. How did that? Did that? Uh, it, it went fairly well. We're we are now in the process of working with all the police departments about getting a task force together. Where about once or twice a month, all the departments can get together and go out there and work these areas. Because I mean, it's I mean, it, it's going up the interstate. Sure. It's oh as yeah, simple as that. Yeah. And, um, you know, a THP had made a stop on one, you know, and it was kind of funny because it was coming out of Nashville and it was going back to the Carolinas. Really? Not even going up north. And wow. it was like two kilos, about four pounds of methamphetamine. Really? So, I mean, you know, every direction, you know. That one's that dude's gone for a while, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Two, you know, <laughs> THP, there was two of them made stops on them. And uh, and that, that arrest was several months ago. But, I mean, you, you know, it, it's going up. And, I mean, you know, they're changing – we know what we're trying to look for when they're doing that, and they're right. changing their tactics up on how they're doing it. It's a moving target, yeah. I mean, literally and theoretically, you know, yeah. they figure out you off are now looking for this. Well, we've got to change it up, and so now you let a guy go because you didn't know they've, you know, what I'm saying. So I mean, it's a it's a battle. No, I mean absolutely, and I mean that you know that's with the uh, with our narcotics uh, unit. I got mm-hmm. I got a street crimes unit. Do you? And the street crimes unit. That's they focus on those areas where the people call in and say that house down there, right? Cars going in and out. They focus on them areas, and then I've got my narcotics unit. Well, they stop cars, develop informants, they do all these things, and then the narcotics unit comes in and they start doing the buys and all that and transactions at Jefferson County. Yes, really. So, I see. I didn't know that. So you know, we're doing all these things and and you very know, proactive. Yeah, and yeah, I, you know that's you know I that's pretty much what I run on. So I started to say that was what. Jeff ran on, and if there's ever been, in my opinion, somebody who has backed up exactly what he said, it's him. it's him. You know, he has he's done exactly what he said he was going to do. Well, I appreciate that. We've, uh, uh, you know, <clears throat> it was all personal to me, and I, you know, I told him, you know, and I had a guy come up to me, and, we, and we've done some, and we got a lot of work to do, and, and our guys are working hard. And I told him, I said, whatever it takes. I said, let's let's go. And then I had a guy tell me it's a few weeks ago, and he said. You're never going to win this war on drugs. I said, you're never going to win if you don't try. Right. And he said, what do you plan on doing? I said, I plan on getting them all. Yeah. And he looked at me and he said, how do you plan on doing that? I said, if I ain't got the goal of getting them all, if I, I may- think, if I think, well, I'm just going to get half of them, 
I ain't going to get a quarter of them. <laughs> right. I said, I want them all. Right. I'm going to get them all. Well, I worked for a hospital uh, in a surrounding county, and I got to see a different side of it, of the amount of drug babies that are born. And it just opened my eyes to say, oh, my gosh, like, this is an epidemic. Like, it is a problem so much bigger. You know, you know that it's out there, but every single day to see the number of drug babies that were being born in the surrounding counties around here was just eye-opening. So I appreciate your service in that because yeah. it is. It's And there are several programs that I was made aware of in the hospital trying to help these mamas, you know, trying to do things for these people to say, okay, listen, let's get you off of this. Let's help you. And, you know, our first instinct when I, whenever I was working at this hospital was it made me mad. I mean, it made me so mad. Like, oh, this mama, you know, but then you have these programs that step in and teach you to look at it different and say, listen, she's gotten drug into this. Now let's help her. Let's help her get mm-hmm. off of it. She can help other people. Yeah. And uh, so I appreciate that, that you do that. And I think a lot of it, too, is things that we're doing in the jail. In 2020, it's going to have some different things that we're going to be doing in our in our jail. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's one thing you do identify is if if you just put them in jail and you leave them there. you got to rehabilitate them. You, you, we've got to try to do something to stop yeah. that cycle. Yeah. to bring them in. We're going to be doing some things in 2020 that working with the judges that we're real excited about. I'll tell you about. something funny. It reminded me when you talk about, the, you know, if, if, if you don't change them, they're coming back, you right. know, kind of thing. So I'm in and out of the dump all the time in Jefferson County unloading stuff. And there's guys that, that are work up there in the work release, you know, that'll help you unload. Maybe, maybe they just stand there and stare at you, whatever. So I remember back, uh, I think it was, it was either this summer or the year before, there was a couple of them and they were, we we're unloading, but they're having a conversation between each other. They're, they've, they're ignoring me. And yeah. w- one of them stops and he says, you know, Jefferson County's got the best food of any, of any jail around here. And I thought, I've never heard of, I'm, I've never been to jail in my life, but this dude apparently is a connoisseur <laughs> of jail food in the in the counties in this area. He's in the Hamlet County juggle, man. They treat me better than this Jefferson. Yeah. I thought, come on, man. You know, so Well at least Jefferson County's doing it right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're yeah, they're they're helping them out. Their so, jail's taking care of their people. So Five star I, restaurant. Where you I, I think something I said a minute ago about extending grace to the officers when they show up. Yeah. I think this goes both ways. And Absolutely. I would say to the officer, extend some grace to that female that you've arrested possibly on drugs because you don't know. Yes, she's responsible for her own decisions, but you don't know what's led up to her to that point. And maybe she just one of them people that never caught a break. Yeah. You know, you, you, you have bad luck after bad luck by no fault of your own. And you finally just break. Everybody's got a point where I can't take right. it any longer. Or she was in an abusive relationship. or You just don't know. So I think everybody needs to start looking from the other person's perspective right. to help understand it all. Where You know you know what I'm saying? Right. So uh, now when you were with Highway Patrol, was your canine dual purpose or explosives only? Just explosives only. So what did you, what did you do? on a daily basis with, a, I could see if it was a narcotics dog or, you know, you, you do, how did, I mean, uh, I had two of them. I started out with ACE. They uh, were lab, labs, labs, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. both of them. He yeah. was, for ACE was a black lab and then ACE got cancer about eight years in and I lost mm. him just mm. suddenly. Right. And then I got Sam and then of course, when I got elected, they reassigned him to a trooper in Granger County. But I mean, I, I came to work with them. Yeah. And, um, of course, I mean, you, I care, covered a large area. I mean, I was answering bomb threat calls and oh, King really? Sport, okay. Jellicoe. Uh, you remember a few years ago, Jellicoe High School, you know, every time the news come up, they had another bomb right. threat. You know, I went to Jellicoe High School. 
I went to areas in Chattanooga. I went to Nashville. So you were very oh, yeah. regional, where a lot of your state troopers are working the same yeah. interstate. I, or so yeah. anytime there was a bomb threat, you oh yeah, you I, I was there. Any especially the surrounding counties and all that. But I mean, and then special events. I worked several presidential okay. assignments where they come in. You work with the Secret Service. Um, I remember when the Boston bombing happened. Oh, did and, you go up there? And uh, well, no, we was actually. Um, I actually went to Nashville okay. to the Music City Marathon, and I didn't know Music City Marathon had like 45,000 right. runners in it. It's like the fourth or fifth largest marathon well, in I didn't the country. know that, yeah. And, you know, I had no idea, and, you know, when, after that happens, it follows the Boston Marathon, and uh, I get a phone call from a captain that says, hey, you got to be in Nashville next week. And, you know, they brought – we had 12 dogs across the state. They brought us all in. We worked on that, you know, that assignment for that. Of course, it was going through downtown, but you had those assignments. I worked 24 Bristol races. Oh, Every you? time the Bristol race come up, we was working it. I worked the ball game, the big ball game up there. Uh, oh, oh, uh, battle at Bristol. Virginia. The battle at Bristol. Yeah. yeah oh, I did you? It. Yeah, I worked it up there. Oh, I, that was that was interesting. I bet that was. Uh, and uh, but I mean, it was kind of behind the scenes. All your work starts early in the morning. Right. I mean, all that stuff's done. Right. Before anybody ever shows up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm there sitting there, you know, is, uh, I remember the game day crew was coming in and we're, we're sitting there with our dog and we swept the area where all the people were going to be for game day. And I remember people were carrying stuff in and we had our dogs on standby. And I remember this guy come in with this sign that said, Hillary deleted my other sign. It come and I was like, oh man, this is just, this is the greatest thing. Yeah. But, you know, we, but I mean, there was other assignments. I worked a lot with Knoxville police department. Uh, we would have special assignments at the U.S. You know, they'd have a big trial at the federal courthouse. I remember I went down there for two weeks solid. Did morning. you work uh, when Obama came to Knoxville? Were you down there for that? Yes. Were you? I had a friend that worked um, who was, I believe he's second in command of KPD's bomb squad. You uh, you might know him. We'll talk about it off the off the podcast, but uh, he was there uh, yeah. for that and not an Obama fan. So he, <laughs> he did it through gritted teeth, you know, but it was, uh, I've worked several of those and, uh, they're interesting to say the least. Oh, There's I bet. a lot, a lot of work goes yeah. into those. And I mean, it's, uh, we've got a guy, hopefully that's going to be come on here maybe in January. That's retired secret service. Uh -huh. And he was secret service for, uh, a little bit with Nixon, Carter, Reagan, Bush one and the Clintons. Really? Yeah. Nice. And, and he and I talked a little bit just off, you know, about everything that it, when the president went somewhere, all the stuff that happened long, a couple of months before yeah. anybody ever, the president ever touched foot in that area. A lot of groundwork. Oh yeah. Yeah. A lot of it. Um, I got to meet one of them when I'd done that uh, inauguration. Mm -hmm. I got assigned to a Secret Service agent and a uh, Metro uh, DC police officer that was on it was in retirement. Mm. And where we were standing was one of the roughest areas. You remember back in the eighties, nineties? You know, DC was the murder capital, right? And where we were standing, they had tore all those housing projects down and put this big convention center up. That's okay. where his gala was. Well, this street leading up to it, we had it blocked off. And we're sitting here talking to this guy, and this guy was homicide for like uh, 22 years. In D.C.? In D.C., <laughs> and, he was, and that was the time he was telling the story. We were sitting there talking to him, and he was just a real nice guy. Was originally from New York, got out of the Marine Corps. They was hired, come down, got the job. 
And he's talking about standing there, and he said, well, this street right here, he said it was all converted apartments, but it was storefronts. He said right here, he said, if if I could go back and take everybody of a shooting victim, he said you probably couldn't walk down the street. Really? And he said, you know, that was the time when you would come out on a Friday and Saturday night, and he said we worked the night shift. And he said we'd average anywhere from three to four homicides a night. We would go oh from homicide gosh. to homicide to homicide. He said he remembered one night. He said uh, the, the worst night he ever had, there was three of them. And he said uh, we all had three homicides. He said we had nine homicides overnight. Wow. He said it was. This was in the 80s? Yeah, 80s, 90s, when it it was that. Of course, when they took all that down, they put this up and they moved all them, that area over to Prince George County in Maryland. Oh, okay. And their crime rate went. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're probably like, thank you. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, they moved that all to Maryland. But yeah, he he would just, and then the Secret Service agent, he he worked uh, uh, Reagan and Clinton. Oh, did he? And he said, it's not a long-term thing to work a presidential detail. He said, there's a lot of, he said, to be a family man, he said, it's very difficult. Yeah. But he yeah. was he was telling some interesting stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and this guy's got some, too. But So I, I'm for me. Were you going to say something a minute ago? I thought I'd cut you off. Well, I was just going to ask, and it's an obvious answer, but you answered, when you work something like that, you answer to the Secret Service, like if they, they're, they're the one in charge. Yes. Well, when we you, come in, they said, you know, we're going to do this with the dog. We want you to cover this. The site where they would be, they would have, they would fly the you know their canines in, and mm-hmm. they would take care of that. But everything leading up to that, we would be responsible. So, like where the president himself was, be that would be Secret Service. Yes, and then you were sort of on the outer yeah. skirts of it. Okay, well, I mean the travel from the airport to there, we handled all that. The motorcade. So, do your the the bomb ex- explosive dog. Are are they are they working exactly like a one that's detecting narcotics when you take them around? Or when you walk through there, is it or is he or she just scenting for for a type of scent? You walk by the trash cans, you check that. I mean, is it working the yeah, same way? Yeah, um, yeah, it does. Just a lot bigger area. Yeah, a lot bigger area. I'd say they're they're margin for error i mean you're dealing with the top of the top of the top of these dogs. Yeah, and, and when you're doing it, I mean, your testing is going to be. I mean, there's there's no room for error. Right. But when you come in for testing, the testing was strict on it. Right. And I mean, it's. Uh, uh, I remember, you know, going through my first recertification. I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you talk about stressful for you and the dog, and then the the dog could feel that. Oh yeah, I mean, right it, down it, the leash. Right down the leash. Yep. So you just try to stay. But I mean, Ace that I had was just a. I mean, you know, he was just a champion. Man, really. That, that, that dog when, the guy that instructed us with the highway patrol came from the military. Mm. And then he he worked to the state for years, and uh, and and just I mean th- this guy's forgot more about dog training right. than a lot of them will ever know, and I, I just admired him so much. And when we got done, when Ace had died, he sent me a message, and he had he had trained some of the first explosive canines for the White House under Reagan. Oh, okay, and uh, when he was in the military, and he sent me this thing, and he said, "Hey, I'm gonna tell you." You and your partner was one of the top five really? teams that I ever trained, and it was just oh, it just you know you smiling from ear to ear, ear weren't you? Ear, you know, <laughs> I was having trouble getting in and out of doors, yeah, and all that. But I mean, hey, but I knew a lot of it was just I mean, Ace just had that God given gift. I mm-hmm. mean, I didn't have to do anything. I just mm-hmm. come in, and turned him loose, and I mean, he was that's what he. If he alerted, it was money. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, you, you better be. Everybody stop me. moving. Yeah. <laughs> If you see me running, you're yeah. be running faster than I am, you know, yeah. that, that kind of story. So that makes me think one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life was we were in D.C. one time, and we watched them shift change at the White House. 
So you're sitting there looking at the White House and you see these like three guys stand up with sniper rifles like, oh, I didn't know those guys were <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, you know, they all, you know, you see the guys shifting in and out. Well, I didn't know they did this, but they come leaving in a minivan, like a Dodge Astro van. Right. So they come driving by, you know, we're on Pennsylvania Avenue right there. There's like six, I'm assuming, ex-Navy SEAL murderers, you know, <laughs> in there with their rifles and the dog. And okay. my only thought was, Man, I feel sorry for the sucker that tries to carjack that car. <laughs> yeah. Three red lights yeah. down. A bad day. Yeah, it's <laughs> not going to happen. But I, I think my canines brought. I brought that over to the sheriff's office too because it's been. You've a, really done a lot with that. I've the, watched them. The canine. Yeah. I mean, we we got a great canine corps. We got three narcotics detecting, and we've got an explosive detecting. He went to certifica- certification last week for his first time, and uh, come in second. In Sevierville, out of dogs from all over the south. Really? Place second. So I'm just uh, real proud of him. What breed is he? A male? Hey, no, he's a, he's a shepherd. Is he? Okay. Yeah, he, he's kind of a shepherd male mix, but okay. uh, he's, he, he's, but he's single purpose Okay. Uh, for that. And then we've got a bloodhound, and uh, and then we've got one, we call it a jail dog. And uh, he's outside the realm of it. He does some boxing and some other stuff that really – if you have prescription, you can't train for, but inside a jail facility is going to be illegal. It's contraband, yeah. So it's contraband. So he's able to, to do that, and they've just started out, and they're doing a, a great job with that, you know, trying to keep that out of the It is an, of our jail. A canine uh, department is an absolute great if it's run right, if, you, if you're getting quality dogs, if the officers are getting their training, if the dogs are getting their training, you know, monthly like they're required to. And it's not fly by night. Everybody do what you want to do, kind of thing. They're a they're a great asset for for law enforcement. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I remember the uh, when we got the bloodhound out, we had a they had called and said there was a two or three year old missing. So they get there and everybody's the squads pulling up and all that. And the sergeant he's got a canine and he he says bring the bloodhound up. So they go up and get an article of clothing, and they come out from the house and the dog goes out and then circles the whole yard and comes back to the front door. Okay. Put it on him again. Dog goes out, goes through the yard, circles the whole yard, comes back to the front door. Ah, y'all searched the house? Yeah, we've searched the house. <laughs> uh, that kid's in that house. So they go in there and he rolled himself up in the in the comforter of the bed and was asleep. <laughs> really? So he was still, that dog, no. He was still in that house. Yeah. That Isn't that crazy? Strongest. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just. What a, what a lot of people don't understand with how, it, and you'll meet Ezra when we're finished. And so he's yeah. been through some, some, uh, narcotic stuff. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't cut for it to be able to do it. He, <laughs> he couldn't. One thing about a canine is they got to be able to work on their own. Right. And he couldn't, I mean, he spent the whole time looking over his shoulder to see where I was at. I'm like, dude, you, you got to do this on your own. But one thing about a dog and how they do their, uh, how they smell different than we do. If you and me walk into Burger King we just smell Burger King or burger. Well, a dog will smell the meat, the lettuce, the tomato, everything individually. And that's when they train them on the narcotics, they they called it a stew, I yeah, think. The, wasn't the beef it? stew effect. Yeah. They just put everything they're going to train that dog in in one box. It might be four or five different drugs. And that's what he trains on. But he'll always be able to pick out one of those, even if it's just one in the vehicle. He's been trained on that scent, he or she. And they'll pick, the, the, how it works is just mind-blowing. Yeah, and, you know, it, it, and with the explosive side of it, it was so different. We was on a task force with TSA and Homeland mm-hmm. Security. Uh, once a month, I would have to go to McGee-Tyson and do sweeps, and then I would go to the Tri-Cities. 
and meet up with them and do luggage mm-hmm. and baggage and all that stuff, the aircraft. And I remember we was at um, McGee Tyson, and they came through, and a guy went through the checkpoint, come in, sat down, and we had another one of our dogs up there, and they called, and they said, hey, come up here. So I come up here, and he goes, do this, do gate, do gate four. I go in there and do gate four, and he comes in, comes in, and, and there was an Oriental gentleman there. And he had his big bag, and the dog come up, and they just sit. And I went. <laughs> I looked back, and he was like, <laughs> so I bring him back, and by this time, there's a guy behind him. He's jumped up and grabbed his bag, and he's took <laughs> off. It's like, so I'm not sure who that dog was yeah, sitting for, but. Yeah, and then we come back, and then Knoxville police brought their dog up there, done the same thing, and they're like, what do we do? And I said, let's just pull him out, take him back over there. And the thing was that you had to do all your research, and you had to look at stuff. We brought him in, and he had the uh, a Chinese newspaper, mm-hmm. you know, with the writing on it, and it was thick. I mean, you're, you're talking about when it was unfolded. It was like, you know, an inch and a half. Right. And I'm like, holy cow. Well, we start researching it through their database, LAX, Chicago Hair. They still use a lot of nitrates in their ink. Gotcha. So that's what the dogs, I mean, with that much ink on yeah. there, the dogs was like, oh, oh. yeah. yeah, yeah it's here. <laughs> I'm you know, getting a they, good they, treat for this one. Oh, yeah, it, it sat down on it. But, I mean, it just, I mean, they, they were, he said, he said, hey, coffee, look here. And it was just all these canine uh, alerts. Right. And it was newspapers. Really? And, I mean, you know, that, that was. And you uh, gave a Chinese guy a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he come out, and, you know, he didn't know. But, you know, he went through, he'd been x-rayed and, you know, put off. His cavity body, searched. Body scanned and all this. And, you know, I'm like, you know, there ain't no threat here, but the, we, we we need to know. Right. You know, you know what's happened here. You probably won't bring your newspaper back next time. Oh, yeah, yeah, he ain't bringing no newspaper back. He's done yeah. that. You're a, y'all are a legend in China. He's told that story all over. Oh, the, yeah. <laughs> take your iPad. Yeah. Don't take the paper. Yeah. One thing I was concerned about is, uh, when the uh, when they got the um, Albing Daddy or whatever his name was in the mouth that went in and got him uh, over there, the I was concerned that we'd see a surge of people going and getting mouths Malamos, yeah. for because of this dog, and I thought, oh man, if you don't have any, a working canine is such a different breed. Oh yeah, you know, and and you're talking about a dog that has drive, 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 and if you're not doing something with him or her, well, I mean, that's why God made it. Yeah, you know, and then we've bred it to to get these things, and it knows one thing, and that's work. So you better give it a job, or your life is going to be miserable. And if you're going to be real serious, you better check with your insurance carrier. Exactly, but, because I I had a good friend that had two of them. And his insurance carrier found out. They called him and said, "You got two options. We're going to drop you, and you get rid of the dogs." Really? Yeah. And that was shocking to me. And they said, "No, we're um, not with that breed." Right? They're, were they Malinois? Yeah. Were they? Yeah. Yeah. It was Malinois. And they said, "No, not. We're not going to insure you." And he had a chain link up around his property and all that. And he said, "You know, he he got rid of him." But yeah, they're uh, they're they're a demanding. Oh my gosh! A the best. I mean, you know law enforcement dog i mean you know with them and the shepherd i mean i put them right there with them but i mean they're uh, they're they're like you said a god-given gift oh boy things that that's what they're here for yeah and see the border collie upstairs is the same way she wants to herd she's a working thing but the difference is she ain't gonna bite you right you, you know she's not she can't do a whole lot of damage you know you get sideways with a mal and you're wearing him you know, and it's not a good thing. So these people, they go, they go out and they buy these. Un, they're not. They don't educate themselves on what. And then you get them in the pound, or yeah. they get put down because they did what their only thing they know to do, and they had a crappy owner. 
Right. You know. You know, the the last couple of years when I was with the patrol, we had, uh, we started training with Fort Campbell. Mm-hmm. And uh, training with the, the 101st up there, and it was their division of explosives. They were dual purpose, but it was out doing roadside stuff, roadside mm-hmm. bombs. And see, when they, they would get deployed, and they the ones that were over there, there was 13 or 14 of them, and every one of them had multiple deployments. But how they would be used in the military, they would be set up somewhere, and you'd be there, and you'd have a Marine attachment come in, and they'd say, go with them and clear these roads. And watching those guys, they were trying to – we were working not how they were. I mean, they had it down to a science because, I mean, they're burying, burying explosives two and three feet in the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going up. And our, and our dogs were doing it. But, I mean, they were doing it all off leash. They're sitting there with hand signals telling them to come up and come back. <laughs> right. And then they were showing us the tricks of the trade of what uh, they, they were doing to them over there. They would make one look like, hey, right there's one. We know that's one. And then before even really looking at it, they would uh, divert them. And then the, the real one would be in the diversion. Mm. They would try to hide one over there. And that, that's what they done to us in, in the training. But, you know, working with those guys down there, you learn to respect. Oh, man. Them, you know, and then fifth group, I mean, their dogs were down there as well. Do you know special what? forces, so, I mean, you know, they're they're just unbelievable. Any, I mean, and I ought to tell you one thing, when you see the pictures of the of the uh, SEALs or whoever, special forces jumping out of a plane and they've got a mal strapped to their chest. Yes. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Just pick Ezra up and he'll have a fit on you. Don't <laughs> you try to strap into your chest and jump out of a plane? He'd eat me alive. You know? Do you know what he means when he says dual purpose? Mm-mm. Okay, so that means the dog would be most of the time it would be narcotics more and, than one specification, right? Okay. And apprehension yeah. a lot of the times would be the second one. So the ones that get you get bit. Yeah. So you get crazy down here. We're going to bring the biter in. Well, I had the opportunity a few years ago to come to the jail with leadership of Jefferson County. And uh, I got to come and watch them come out with a bite suit and do all the testing. I'm like, yeah, I never want to do anything to be chased down by one of those guys. That's all I know. I'm like, no, thanks. He was not letting go. That's the best part of any episode of Cop. (laughs) I've watched them where the guy's like hiding in a bush and like, come out. And he won't come out. He's like, okay. Let's the dog loose. You hear the guy, get the dog. (laughs) It's like we've been telling you. It's coming. Yeah. So I, I think it is a great asset that you've added to this, to the sheriff's department and for this County. And I think what you're doing with it is just wonderful. And well, thank you. We're, we're proud of our, our canine people. They, they do an outstanding job. <clears throat> One of the things that Sheriff coffee has implemented probably in the last year, I would say I may be off on the time. You can correct me, but it's working with local churches to set up. I mean, we've seen the news and the, uh, We've seen the news of uh, people coming in and shooting the place up, and, you know, it's, it's happened numerous times. Unfortunately, that's the world we live in. Yes. And you've been very proactive in getting some programs set up within this county with churches to help them help their self, so to speak, right. because you all can't be there all the time. And most shootouts happen in about a minute, right? you know, when it's over. And so you can't – I mean, unless you're in the parking lot, an officer's in the parking lot, it's over for the he or she can get there. So explain to me what you're, or us, what you're, what you've done and how you're running this thing. Safe church task force, um, is we're, we're still in the infancy stages of it, mm-hmm. trying to get it developed. Uh, we, we, we put something out a few weeks ago about a, a possible, some things that was going on, on our Facebook site. Mm-hmm. And we got a lot of response from it. 
uh, we had, uh, it, it's just a network for us to be able to connect with people in churches. Um, we, we've got it set up now. We're, we have a lot of churches that signed up for it. And we've got it set up through our 911 center to we can send mass texts out to everybody. Okay. Saying, hey, you know, this church has had this going on. Mm-hmm. Somebody showed up asking this, or we had somebody suspicious, or we've had church burglaries. Because they, they all kind of trend out and start doing the same thing, you know, targeting them. So we'll, hopefully we'll be testing that in the next week. We've got all this broad so that we can come out and say, this is what this is what happened at our church. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember an incident we had at our church where a gentleman showed up as the pastor was coming in early, and uh, you know he's it's in the fall, it's kind of cool, he's sweaty. Oh yeah, going. I need money. Well, I don't have any money. You need to. I want money right now. Right. You know, type of thing. What's what do you need money for? I'm out of gas. Where's your car? No matter where my car is, <laughs> you know, he just walks up. Right. So he goes in and locks the door. I mean, this is something that we can come out that morning when I come in and the pastor said, this is what happened, that we can call over there and said, send this out and tell them it happened at this church mm-hmm. so that we know the churches surrounding us can go up and go, hey, look what happened over at Piedmont. Mm-hmm. So you that's know, something like the church could select, hey, who gets those texts? Yeah, so we, we've got it to the pastor and two church security members, mm-hmm. which about every church now has their own security right. team, people that you know that's out looking for it. And, you know, and we give suggestions on how to do it. We had the training there where people came in and they said, hey, this is how, you know, how we do it at our church. You know, it's to the point where we, everybody gets in. We've got somebody at the door because of fire code. Somebody has to stay, take turns staying at the back. The whole church is locked up, and then we just lock the door. So, I mean, if you're there in the middle of it and somebody decides, well, I'm going to go in there, you know, into that church, that ain't going to happen. Right. Unless you get through the locked door. So I mean, and but we but we told them every church is different. Mm-hmm. You've got different set up. What you all decide what's best for your mm-hmm. church and to go with. But we're real excited about that. I mean, you know, we we got to uh, protect our churches and that's the church. people that's inside. Does the church just contact, contact the sheriff's department to? Yes, get in, contact us, and then we'll, we'll get the information to nine one one, and then we're going to try to do something probably. February or March, I'm in the winter time. It's kind of mm-hmm. tough to have another church training to come up and have some different people come in and speak and say, "Hey, y'all just had one, didn't you?" Yeah, we just had yeah. one, and we had, we had about a hundred people show up from different churches yeah. throughout the county, and it representative, and we had some from out of the county show up. Really? And say, hey, you know, we just like to we we've not seen see anything what you're like doing. This, you know, we'd like to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, two things like me and Pastor Brian Osborne went over. We went to Maryville a year or so ago they did their Blunt County Sheriff's Department yeah. done their church shooting training and thought it was funny the guy that got up and started I guess they have a department dedicated to that or part of it like a task force or I can't remember how he put that you know it's a bunch of Baptists we're in a Baptist church and he says he goes we thought about walking in here and popping a shot a blank he said but we're with Baptists <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we were sort of scared that uh, that wasn't going to turn out well armed <laughs> um, I think y'all done a great job too with um, the dude that was kind of I'm not going to say his name so I don't want to give him credit but the guy that was going around to churches a while back yeah. interrupting services and nobody really knew what he was up to and y'all, I mean, y'all got the word out picture out you know here, mm-hmm. here it is just, and I think that stopped it yeah j- just to let people know mm-hmm. you know he's you know he being disruptive yeah being disruptive and I mean that, that was his only you know he's going to go in there and try to tell you that his ideology and what you're doing wrong, what he's mm-hmm. doing right. I mean, you know, that's 
It's a great thing about this country. We have that freedom of religion. Right. And I mean, if I, if if that's how you feel, then go feel that way. Right. But these people are feeling. That's why we have all these different denominations. Right. We have the Baptists and Methodists and. I noticed on Facebook, and it, it was funny. Was you know, you people were arguing on that one post that, yeah. that the sheriff's department posted. Well, that's public property. I'm like, no, it's not. Right. He can't yeah. just walk in there and do what he wants to do. It's not public property. Right. And people don't understand that whole concept. Oh yeah, that's why. That's why I got a lot of people calling in. So what do we do? And I said, well, that's. It's not, it's not, it's private property. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's your off church. Mm-hmm. You want him out of there? You call us. The deputy be glad to come up there and escort him out. Well, you're implementing this. So I will already, I will assume this answer, but do you think that churches need security teams? In 2019, getting ready to be 2020, yes. I think that. Unfortunately, think, is the yes. world we're in. Well trained yes. security yeah. teams. Yeah. yeah I, I think, you know, if nothing else, have a plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we have some churches that come up and they're older generations and they're like, well, we really don't, we really don't know. If nothing else, lock the door. I mean, um, West Virginia, excuse me, and I know some of the churches um, got a kickback from some of their membership and they're like, we don't need to be doing this mm-hmm. and all that. I, and I uh, was reading an article from a gentleman in West Virginia, rural area, and he said, we had our church up, and, you know, I told them, you know, we need to be doing security and all that. And he said, I got a pushback from a lot of the people in the church. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, they finally agreed to all the back doors where the Sunday school classes were. We locked them, but the back door we didn't. He said, so we're sitting there on the service on Sunday morning. It's a rural church, had about 60 or 70 in there. And he said, I'm sitting midway through the church. And he said, and he's got a gun-carrying permit, had my weapon. He said, I'm sitting there listening to the pastor, listening to the sermon, and he said, out of the corner of my eye, he said, he's already made it halfway through the church. He said, gentleman dressed in camouflage with a backpack. And he said, before I, my mindset can even think, who's this guy? He's walked straight up to the pastor, and he's cursing him. Really? And he said, you know, I got up. And he said, some of the others walked over, and, and he said, it was high on methamphetamine. They ended up calling the sheriff's office there, the local police. Uh, they detained him and took him outside. They ended up arresting him. And he said, as soon as the church was over, he said, the older gentleman, the older, uh, uh, I guess that uh, uh, part of the church that mm-hmm. was kind of pushing back, come back, said, we need to do something now. Now they're mad. Why haven't you done anything yet? <laughs> yeah, and, and he said, you know, it, it, it took that to get the response from them. And he said, I'm, I'm not saying anything bad about them. Right. He said, but the and thankfully, there, nothing bad happened. No, you know, n- nothing bad happened. But he said, he just told him. he said, if that guy had a handgun. Yeah. Well, it's crazy. You mentioned it, lock the doors. The simple thing, that's the very first thing we did, and that was after the church shooting in Texas. Yes. Was one point of access. You know, Sunday school, the doors were open. But once church was time for everybody to, the time you knew everybody should be there, lock everything but one door, main entrance. Somebody's usually at that, always at that main entrance. One point of access. And it's like that simple. You just don't think right. about, but that, that's just the right. simplest lock the doors. And then what's funny is, you know, any, I've heard of churches like they, they implement, they're like, you know, so we start locking doors and people get mad. I got to walk around the wheel to get right. in. It's like, well, you, well, here's you something bad guy. So let's, <laughs> here's something else that a lot of people aren't thinking of. And, and you, is the human trafficking aspect. And it's growing in East Tennessee. You, you see report after report after report. Think about how easy it would be. For somebody, when the big crowd comes through, because it's church, yes. so people are, I mean, you're, you're, you have visitors, and you don't automatically suspect this person, but this guy just comes in with the crowd, and next thing you know, he's gone out the back door with a six-year-old 
Yes. And you don't see them again. Mm-hmm. People, you know, people like me who think like that, a lot of times get raised eyebrows because you're accused of being over dramatic or going to the worst extremes. These but, things are happening. Right. This isn't Mayberry anymore. Even Little White Pine's not Mayberry anymore. And I saw an, an ad last week that said they busted 10 Uber drivers, 10 or 12 Uber drivers for human trafficking. Yes. I mean, my gosh, you can't even get in an Uber anymore. People don't pay attention. That was the girl, I want to say Alabama, I might be wrong, who thought she was out one night, thought the Uber had pulled up, and the dude just let her get in. Right. And then he took her and killed her. Right. Yeah, that that was about a year ago. Yeah. And she just thought it was the Uber and gets in the back seat. People don't pay attention. Right. Right. So we live in a time, unfortunately, and in my opinion, it's not going to get any better. Uh, that you, so I like what you're, what you're doing is proactive. It's not reactive. Right. And so you're, it's, is it going to stop everything? No, but dang, at least you've got a plan and you're halfway prepared. If something does happen and you know, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, the, uh, what's the, uh, strangest call you've ever been on? And I'm going to see if I can beat it. Wow. It can be funny. It could be. Strangest call ever. That's probably hard to narrow down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, you know, I've, uh, I've told this story several times with, um, it was on Thanksgiving and you'd be surprised at probably the amount of, um, people that we would have on the interstate with dementia. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, you know, I've got them. I remember a trooper got one from, Maine, the state of Maine, here out of gas, yeah, on on eighty-one, and you you would get them from different areas, and they would just take off driving, and then you'd pull up. The last one I got was from uh, below Columbia, South Carolina. You know, he was out of gas, and and you know, when I got to talking to him, I got to noticing something. You know, really, it would just just wasn't right. And when I ran him, ran his information, and come back missing and endangered, and all he had done is got up that morning and. Start so they driving. just drive till they run out of gas. Yeah, okay. yeah, and he had drove all night, but he he was just uh, the uh, convenience center to take his garbage right. off was a half mile away. Wow! He took off to do that, and then he ended up in Jefferson mm. County. Wow! And uh, on uh, Thanksgiving, I got one, and um, we I'd come out and was working the evening shift. We come out working three to eleven. I went out and was patrolling, and I was actually covering Cock County as well. I went to the state line, come back, run the interstate out. And uh, my wife had called and said, hey, you know, we're going to open this turkey back up, Miss Ham, and, you know, eat again. I said, hey, I'm on my way, so I'm going out. And then they give me a call of a broke-down vehicle at the one. And the gentleman was there, and I pull up, and it's got North Carolina tags, and I'm talking to him, and I walk up. And as soon as I ran the tag, they said, hey, he's missing endangered mm. out of North Carolina. And I'm like, okay. I walk up to him, and very distinguished gentleman, just real nice, and I'm talking to him. And uh, they... Uh, I got his information, come back, confirmed it all. Um, they were south of Asheville, not too far away. And I told them, I said, I called them on the phone directly, and I said, hey, if you'll go to the uh, State Welcome Center there on I-40 mm-hmm. where the log cabin is, mm-hmm. they said, we know exactly where that's at. I said, I'll transport him up there, and, you know, you can pick him up. And they said, okay, sure. So I went back, and I started trying to explain to the guy, and he wanted to say, he said, he said, listen, he said, I'm on I-26 in Andersonville. I said, no, sir, you're not. I said, you're on I-81 in Tennessee. He said, I'm not in Tennessee. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to be realistic to the guy, you right. know, trying to be real to him. 
And, you know, and he's, you know, our kind of, we're not real argumentative, but, I mean, he was standing his ground. Right. He's there. And you're in a Tennessee State Trooper Yeah, Tennessee uniform. State Trooper. <laughs> <It's a> car <laughs> that says Tennessee State yeah, Trooper and, on the and side. Of course, yeah. we're standing in front of it. And I looked at him, and I said, hey, I said, sir, I said, you're in Tennessee. And I said, uh, I'm going to take you up here. And he said, well, I'm not in Tennessee. And I sat there, and I thought, well, Jeff, it's your patch. Right. So I turned around to him, and I'm standing there looking at him, and I said, sir, I said, look at my patch. I said, what? I said, can you read? He said, of course I can read, you know. <laughs> and this guy ended up being like a professor or something. He was just really? a guy. He looks at it, and he says, State Trooper Tennessee. And he sat there, and he, he read it out loud, and he sits there and looks at me, and then just looks at me dead in the eyes, and he goes, what the hell are you doing in North Carolina? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I'm not. And, and, then he, and then he just looked at me, and I said, can we take that ride now? He did. We got him in the car. Took him back over and met him with his family, but I mean, you know, and that was one of the things that you know, unfortunately, that we would see a lot of. And I remember the guy from Maine. I mean, he was going to visit his brother in New York State. Oh boy! And he ends up out of gas at the one mile marker. I was talking about that. I mean, you know, we we would have. He did. You know, I I chased one midnight, like two thirty in the morning, across the county on the interstate, and finally pulled over and walked up, and she said. I go out with my gun out and I see that she's there and I think I host her my weapon and she goes what in the world do you want young man I need to go do this and I'm like why didn't you want to stop because I'm in a hurry <laughs> and got to talking but I mean she was one of those where uh, she was from on it was somewhere um, uh, west of Na- west of um, uh, Knoxville I can't can't remember exactly where but you know, it's one of those, the, the family thought they had taken the keys so she oh, couldn't yeah. drive, but she'd found an extra, she just got up in the middle of the night and was, was going to go get a hair appointment or something, really? you know, and you know, you just, you just real feel, so, you know, feel sorry for these people because yeah. I mean, they're in this position, Yeah. you know, and you know, and you see a lot of it, but you'd be surprised how often that we, we see that, especially on the interstates uh-huh. with people traveling. I've got them I at the rest areas that. sitting there. Oh gosh. Yeah. And you walk up and you're like, Hey, what's going on? And, you know, I remember this guy, and we're sitting there, and he's in a brand-new uh, Ford Mustang, and we ended up getting a hold of family, and they said, what can we do? And the hospitals would re- work really well with us. We'd take them to the hospital, and they would kind of hold them there. And uh, they're like, Dad, they said, you know, Dad just goes out and buys new vehicles and takes off. Oh, and then this is like <laughs> the third or fourth new vehicle he just went out and pays cash for and just takes off driving. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, and then he's got all these vehicles, and now we're trying to get him to sell them. Of course, right. you know, but, and, you know, that it, it's not not to make light of that disease. It's really, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's really, and I feel in the families, you can really see the wear right. on them that, that they're yeah. having to do. Yeah, it's it's toll. Yeah. It, yeah, it takes your toll on them because, I mean, there's just a lot of work, and, I mean, a lot of worry with them, you know, as well. But, you know, you can imagine your your family member takes off, and, you know, I remember the trooper telling me about whenever they called and said that guy called from Maine, and he's like, where are you at? <laughs> and he told him, he said, you know, on my own I-81 at the one-mile marker. He goes, oh, 81. He goes, I'm in Tennessee <laughs> at the one-mile marker. Where, <laughs> where it, it started. <laughs> you got to come like, all the way to the other end. And he's like, oh, oh, okay. Wow. And then, you know, the hospital watched him for us, and they took a flight into Knoxville and, mm-hmm. and done all that. And, I mean, it's, it, it could be really scary for these people. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been on a kangaroo massacre? No. <laughs> I got I got dispatched to one of those, and I didn't even know anybody in Jefferson County had kangaroos. But it was down on 25. They gave me the call, and I thought I heard it wrong. 
first. Uh-huh. And then I looked at the computer and I was like, no, I didn't hear it wrong because there it is typed out. And I get to this house and this lady is frantic. And I'm like, "What? what's happened? And she's come around here and we go around to the back and she's got this pen that has, um, it has a, uh, I don't remember what was in front, but there was a six foot fence and a five foot fence. And there was about a foot in between the two of them. <laughs> And she had about seven or eight or nine pet kangaroos. And most of them, except for this baby, lived in the house. The rest of them were in this yard. And when she'd open her bedroom door, I mean, her bed or curtains in there, she looked right out into this pen. Well, she got up that morning and she opened up the curtains. And there standing in the middle of that pen was about a 70-pound pit bull that had climbed both of those fences. I I don't know how he did it. So she goes running out there, grabs a 410 by the door, comes around to open the gate. She said, I fling the gate open, and when I do, she said, that dog come at me, and I'll be dang if she didn't hit him right between the eyes with that 410. I told her, I'm sorry about your kangaroos, but I am impressed at the shot. (laughs) You hit a moving target under stress, and you hit him right between the eyes, and he was deader than 2 o'clock right there, but he killed about $20,000 worth of kangaroos. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I was like, uh, this is, I said, I'm sorry. I said, we got probably 12 to 24 hours to, for somebody to slip up and say, I'm missing my dog because after that, they're going to, the word's going to get out what happened and ain't nobody claiming this. What is the right. benefit of owning kangaroos? Well, apparently she, um, she won the lottery in Florida. And moved to East Tennessee, and she just, an, I mean, she just an animal person. You just sitting there, and you're like, I want a kangaroo. Yeah. I want four of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were pregnant. Some of them had babies. I mean, she pulled one baby up out of the grass because it was in the mom. Mom was dead. I can't say much about one lottery. I probably buy a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> Not legally, you wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff said, if you do move out of Jefferson yeah. County, we're not dealing with that. Yeah. But, uh, Hey, this has been a great conversation. You know, uh, I want to say again while we're uh, on this topic that I'm proud to call you my sheriff, and I'm proud of the job that you're doing. And from day one since you've been in office, you have taken right step after right step after right step. And you're not going to make everybody happy. You know, people are going to be – they're going to get their underwear in the wad over about anything anymore. But the steps that you're making and, you know, I've still got friends with the sheriff's department and right. the morale is up here where it used to be down here. And that's, you've done a great job. I, I appreciate that. I just told him, you know, just whatever it takes, we, gotta, we just got to keep working. Just got to do it. Keep working. Yep. So we're going to, we're going to pick our games for this week. Uh, sheriff coffee is going to be part of that. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to continue the uh, beatdown of uh, Daniel and Caitlin on this. You got anything you want to say about it? You just called up. I wouldn't be bragging too much. <laughs> I don't know if you call it a beatdown if we tie. Well, yeah, but you're still behind, though. Yeah, no, That's no. only my first week with picks. Okay. Well, we'll see how you do this week. <laughs> you're starting to sound like a Kentucky football fan. been relevant for about two years now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Daniel, let's do it. Who do you think will win? I think the fact... It doesn't matter what you think! Get ready! Let's be great! Let's be great! This week's football picks are in! 
All right. So we are going to – what did we decide? We're going to pick the New Year's Six and the, and the playoffs. We'll pick through the playoffs. All right. So let's do the playoffs last. Let's Do Do you have the New Year's Six yeah. up? Can you pull that up? And um, we'll uh, – let's see. This will be um, – Now, this is where it gets crazy because bowl games – Anything know, can happen. Anything can happen except for the playoffs. We know who will win that. Yep. Not Georgia. <laughs> no. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, there was a, there were some good matchups in the New Year's. Some real good ones. If my won't name the people app will work. Well, I can, I can promise you, you're getting you're going to win one over me because there's one team that I won't pick. Period. And so, and I can tell you, they're going they're going to beat down who they're playing, but I'm staying with. I ain't picking them. Why, why do they call it New Year's Six when there's only four bowl games on New Year's Day? What's the other? There's two? a couple before though. I think it'd be the Cotton Bowl. Cotton Bowl, orange, the big bowls, the cotton, yeah. the orange, Fiesta, Rose. Well, I think they count the peach and um, the and Fiesta. The, I think they count them as in the six too. On okay, the, on twenty eighth, I think they count okay. them. That's yeah, what okay. they're saying. So yeah, there's a cotton and the peach. So the cotton bowl, you want me to just go name the? Yeah, let's just go with that. All right, it's cotton bowl, Memphis and Penn State. So you're our guest. You get the you get the first pick. Hey. Memphis, I, and we're not picking. Uh, we're not picking spreads, sure. or we're just picking just straight, straight up. up. I would say I'd go Penn State now that their coach is going to Florida State. I think um, that Memphis's oh, coach yeah, is going to Florida. That. I'm, I'm, Mike Norville's go, gone. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm probably going to go with uh, Penn State on that one. Hey, did anybody did anybody um, see what they paid him? What um, his contract was? No, I hadn't seen his. I've seen either. some of the other ones. I've seen Lanes and all those, but hadn't seen Lane. Hadn't seen his Lanes. Lane train. Did you see the video? Did you see the promo video? The, the, the train coming through town. No, then, but did you hear the guy that handed him a baby when he got off the plane out there and he wanted him to kiss the baby when he handed it back? He said, hey, Lane, get a burner phone. <laughs> well, I heard somebody said, he, he said in his press conference today, too, that they asked him about his, his how he felt at the tarmac. He says, probably the better tarmac experience. For me. Yeah, I think I had another one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Mike, I can't believe Mike. I, I thought Florida State would have a harder time finding a coach. I mean, you talk about a dumpster fire. That is a big dumpster fire. Well, down fans there, aren't right? happy. Most fans aren't happy about it that they hired Norville. Yeah, because they were expecting they were expecting to fire a second year coach. That's my argument. I'll argue today. So, so I'm out of breath. You can't fire a two year coach. Nobody. Well, they did it. Or well, we've had two. Uh, Willie Taggart and uh, Arkansas and Arkansas. They got yeah. it. They got an offensive lineman coach. Well, I, I can't coach. believe that they've all replaced them. I mean, that Ole Miss, fast. and then uh, Arkansas got the guy at Appy State. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe it's no Arkansas got Georgia's, Georgia's offensive line coach. Yeah. Oh, did they? That's who he got. Yeah, Georgia's offensive line coach. Hey, <laughs> y'all are gonna suck. No, it's, again. no, it's Missouri. Missouri got got, got Appy State. State's coach. Now, That's you, right. Do you see whose name came up today? Colorado State. Uh, uh-uh. Mr. Butch Jones. Oh, please. Oh, oh, I, I, oh I, I, I let him go ruin yeah. the mid Mac or they're not in the uh, they're not in the Pac twelve. Doesn't matter in, where they're at. Um, yeah, what what is it? The they play six A football in Colorado. <laughs> it's it's like, yeah, let, yeah, let, let, let him just save <laughs> the entire NCAA. Let them <laughs> yeah. yeah. he, he can load, like, he can go like Brooks in Colorado. All he wants to right, so. right. All right, Caitlin, who do you want? Give me Memphis. Oh man. 
is Norville going to coach the game? I hadn't heard. He's probably gone. Yeah, I'd say, say he'd be gone. I'd say he's gone. All right, who you got? You can brag about lead. You going? I'm going last. I got a few games to play with here. I'm gonna go with Memphis. He's trying to keep this tied. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna go with Memphis. He's playing against you and forgetting about me. That exactly I ain't worried about you. Happen. I ain't worried about you. Penn State. You don't bet against James Franklin. He's a nut. He's a good coach. He may be, but I'm hoping Memphis is just mad. Because now they were good. And, I'm going to yeah. skip Fire the up. playoff games until we yeah, get to we'll those. Yeah, we'll do those then. Um, the next one's the Orange Bowl, University of Virginia. <laughs> Go for them twice there, Jeremy. In Florida. Well, like I said at the beginning, I won't pick Florida for nothing. I, I don't care what they're playing in. And I'm gonna, I'll take the loss. I'm picking Virginia. They're going to get hammered. That's Florida. I mean, Florida. Yeah. yeah. Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Citrus Bowl. UF. University of Michigan. Alabama. Alabama. Bama. Bama. Yep. Can't say it too loud. That's another <laughs> – um, uh, that's going to be – that'll be ugly. Who you got? Yeah, it's it's going to be Bama. Yeah. Yeah. I'm SEC versus Big Ten. I got I got to put my glasses on there. Now, we ain't going. We ain't going that way. We're going to say Alabama. No, I'll pick Bama. I don't have a problem. And I'm afraid they'll they'll just absolutely dismantle Michigan. You're going to pick Michigan. Yeah, I can see it in his eyes. <laughs> Seriously, Alabama don't give a rip where they're at right now. Them players ain't going to come up. They ain't going to show up to play. They don't have pride. They they're, they're uh, not, they don't care. So you're going Jim Harbaugh. He's got to make a point. He ain't going to make it at the Citrus Bowl. So I can promise you that. Damn, players ain't showing up. Tua ain't healing that quick. No. All right, um, so who's the next one? Rose Bowl. Uh, who is Oregon that? Oregon and Wisconsin. Oh. That'll be a good game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was – I I'll can't believe – Wisconsin. You going to go two losses in a row with them? That running game will destroy Oregon's defense. You said it was going to destroy Ohio State. Give me um, Oregon. I'm, I'm, if I remember correctly, if I watched the game, it pretty much did. But when it mattered. But the running game destroyed them. That's, <laughs> all, I, I That's it, all I called. But Oregon played some of the most inspiring football this weekend. I oh, my gosh. I picked Utah, and they laid an egg. I mean, they I come mean, out dominating. Yeah, they, they did. punched him in the mouth. Right the off the bat. They didn't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, this one, I'm, I'm going to go with Wisconsin. But, uh, wow. I mean, I, that that may potentially be one of the best games right, of, of the, the bowl, bowl season. season mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to pick Oregon. I'm going with Caitlin. <laughs> we're, we're either winning together or we're going down together. Do an outback bowl? Yeah. Minnesota and Auburn. Uh, I'll give you a tidbit that Auburn just fired their offensive coordinator. Or another one just left. So they're Where'd going, he go? I don't know. I mean, did he get fired or did he just quit? I, I read that he got fired, but they, there was reports mm. that he quit. I'm still too, going so. Auburn. Yeah, Auburn and Min- – yeah, P.J. Fleck, he, he did fine for a while, but um, I'm picking Auburn too. Plus, my mom's friends will kill me. Who you pick? Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. You got to watch the Big Ten Network. That conference I is won't awful. watch the Big Ten do anything because it's, it's the most boring – Football, basketball, it's awful. There's just two teams in there I wouldn't pick against. Who? Minnesota's one of them. They show up hot. Well, apparently there's three you won't pick against because you pick Wisconsin, too, and I know you're going to pick Ohio State. We'll see. All right, who do you got? I'm going to go with the Tigers. I'll go with the Barn. Okay. Auburn. 
And Caitlin, you said Auburn, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So last one's the out or no the Sugar Bowl. Baylor Bears, something from Georgia. Oh, <laughs> you better pick Baylor. I told you last week that Georgia can't score. They're crying because they let Cheney go now that, you know. Go, Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> I got them red-colored glasses. Or So you're going to pick Georgia. This is where we're going to separate. Um, Who are they playing? Baylor. Yeah. Baylor. I'm going to – you don't even know who they're playing. You're going to pick for, against I, them, yeah, Jeremy? Come yeah, on. I, I am because I'll say right now, I'm going to put it down right here. This is where I'm taking the lead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Baylor scores 45 on them. <laughs> I'm putting it on. I'm putting it right here so it's it's in ink. Sheriff, who do you want? Baylor. Baylor. I just, you know, but what a disappointing – I mean, I don't know what's happened to Georgia's offense. I mean, He's I just, in Knoxville. I, you know, it's, yeah, it's that, changed. That, that's part of it, but I – you know, he won't I, admit that. No. Yeah, I, yeah, you're right. But I, I just – the thing that bothers me about Kirby Smart is when he gets the big game, his big game decisions, when it comes down to they're it. They're poor. Yeah, they're they're poor. Yeah. I mean, you know, I said, y'all just got another Mark Rick. You're all going to do well, but when you get into the big game, You can't get over that. You, you, the one thing he's can't. got over Rick is he's getting the more big games. Yeah, yeah he's getting was. the more big games, and he he's getting can't. there. But, I mean, you know – Everybody else is going to start cutting. You know, we got a big commit today at Tennessee. Oh, I didn't see it. Defensive uh, lineman. Yeah, Which defensive one? lineman. The one, the he's one of the ones in state. Okay, remember his name. And okay. uh, of course, Georgia. I mean, that defense they in, had this year was absolutely awesome. Mm-hmm. But those guys are going to be leaving, and they're fixing and, to steal a five-star offensive lineman from those so, people. <laughs> you, you know, but I mean, it's going to come to the point that that's going to run out. That talent's going right. to be. I mean, Florida's right on their heels. See, I think the difference between Georgia and Tennessee is when Kirby got to Georgia, he inherited a lot of good players, and he just stepped in and started coaching. Yeah. He's a better recruiter than Rick. He is, but he's not as good a recruiter as Pruitt. And, and yeah. he's a good coach. Yeah. But when it comes to making game-time decisions, yeah, just, the I whole mean, fake punts and stuff that he's pulled in the – And you're starting to see him, and he can't – overcome it like Saban has, mm-hmm. you're starting to see him lose the good assistants. Right. right. Just those. Right. Yeah. Right. He doesn't have anybody to step in. So, who are you taking, Georgia? He did this last week, went on this big diatribe, and then <laughs> turned See, to- I want to say Baylor only because I don't think Georgia will show up. Like, I don't think Bama will show up. But Georgia's defense is still too good. I'm taking Georgia. All right. Big 12 offense versus Georgia defense. I can't see it. If Georgia shows up to play on defense, they'll hammer Baylor. But they won't. So, there's that. But you said Bama would, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so this is the playoff. Playoff right? games. First round, Peach Bowl. All right, so we're going to pick them all the way through, and you pick your pick your national championship. remember who you picked then for the two these two, so you can pick your one. Right, I'll write it down. You can't say Ohio State lost in the first round, then pick them for the national title, Jeremy. <laughs> and, um, I can promise you that ain't. First game, Peach Bowl, Oklahoma, LSU. LSU. No hesitation. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you. Tigers. Yeah, I'm, uh, LSU across the board. Okay, second one, Fiesta Bowl, Clemson, Ohio State. Ohio State. Nope. I'm going to say Clemson. I, I think they have the best argument for having a chip on their shoulder than anybody. And Do you? You started out number one in the year. Started out as the number one team in the nation. Then you never lost LSU. a game. You ended up 13-0, and and you ended up third. <laughs> and you never lost a game. But their schedule, they didn't play anybody. Right. No. But, I mean, you know. But and Dabo has made a 
a, a year out of that this year. He has got them believing that he's got them believing all because of some, you know, I'm going to call him an idiot. I'll call him an idiot. Just cause fine bomb. He is makes a comment that Clemson shouldn't be in the, he's the only person in the country that says Clemson shouldn't be in the playoff. Right. And Dabo's got that team believing that everybody in the country doesn't believe they should be in the playoff. He's <laughs> right. got that team thinking nobody believes in you. Right. So I'm like, man, you know, right. I'm taking Clemson. All right. So you, so you've got Ohio state. Uh, Daniel's got Clemson. I think Sheriff's I've got said all Clemson. Year that Clemson's going to start clicking at some point, like they did against Bama. And I got Clemson. and they started clinking the ACC championship game. Yeah, you know that game has potentially to be high school. Oh yeah, I think Ohio oh, State yeah. secondary against Trevor Lawrence and those two receivers, Clemson, they'll tear it up. All right, so everybody's still in the game for so so we, we've got an LSU and um, Clemson national championship. If you're staying in this, all you can pick is LSU. Oh, that's my pick from the get go. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Mine's LSU. Uh, all right. Let's it's, see. LSU. The only way LSU loses these next two games is if Joe Burrow decides not to show up at a game. That ain't no. going to happen. Because that dude is just. They're just so fast paced. I don't think anybody can keep up. That's the one team. You know, you see these high flying offenses, and most of them aren't all high flying. You know, it's a lot of deep. Five yard pass, your fast right. receiver takes it to sixty right. yards. Now. I mean, Clemson's like that. Hey, did you did Cle- you see the play that he made in the game Saturday where he dodged about five defensive mm-hmm. linemen and flung it sixty yards down the? Yeah, that's well, impressive. Like Clemson, you know, they drop it off to Higgins or drop it off to Rogers, and they'll take off sixty yards. He's dropping dimes sixty <laughs> yards down the field yeah. like yeah. it's nothing. Yeah. The the only thing I could see is. Clemson outscoring them because mm-hmm. I well, mean if they if they catch LSU on their heels and score I mean Clemson can score right and I mean that might be the game that's seventy two to sixty eight. <laughs> well, that's what like I was going to say. On this one, I guess the score too. Okay, all right. So are you picking Clemson? <laughs> no, okay. no, I'm, I'm going to say LSU, and but I'm going to say it's going to be. Oh wow, I'm going to say forty five to. Forty-one. I'm going. Yeah, 50, I think it's going to be close. I'm going fifty-five, fifty. Uh, I think really? it's going to be high score, and I, th- I think it's going to be defenses will not be at that game. I think it's going to be like the, will uh, not be at the game. Is that what you said? Yeah, defenses no. are optional for that game. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's going to be like the, what was it? The Saints and 49ers Oh yesterday. man, yeah, that, that was, was a game. Of course, me being a Saints man, of course, I'm pulling for Camara, right? And of course, I like Drew Brees too. But that one was like it was like a tennis match. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> Okay, but they just keep scoring. Drew Brees is one of my favorite most. I think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. yeah. What What's your score? I'm going to do the opposite. He, he went high scoring game. So you're going low. Let me say 27 20. <laughs> I'm going to. Um... I'm going to pretend like I didn't hear Daniel's comment. Defense, they're showing up, they're going to be there. I'm going to go 47-41. He's going high, too. Okay. Joe Burrow is paying. Joe Burrow, that game right there, Joe Burrow is playing for a paycheck. And, yeah, and the Heisman will already be over. The Heisman's yeah. this weekend. Yeah, yeah. This weekend. yeah he'll so win that. He he's, better. he's playing for, hey, everybody thinks you're one of the best quarterbacks in the draft. He's playing for, I'm going to be a top five pick and be a millionaire. I don't think, I really don't think Clemson's defense can, can slow their mm-hmm. offense. I don't. And LSU's defense has been suspect all year. They've, right. they've clicked. Well, 
with the last two or no three games. No offense right. at all. Here we go. More they shade. Look, they looked like they clicked in Atlanta, but they were playing Georgia's offense. Oh, <laughs> <It's> like, oh, <laughs> oh. like, it looks like it all came together, but <laughs> we seen what was leading us. Right. Okay, well, we're going to bring this episode of uh, the Think Like a Man podcast to an end. Something I meant to mention at the beginning that I've forgotten until just now. We are, keep your ears open for, uh, we may be signing up for Patreon, which will be a way that if you want to, uh, you'll be able to help support the podcast. I mean, this stuff, this stuff isn't free. And if you enjoy what you hear, you can get on for small amounts of money couple bucks a month or something like that so we haven't worked all the details out but if you go on to if <laughs> you just scared me to death with that thing <laughs> uh, you can go on to uh you, if you're part of the patreon side of what we're doing then you will get extra content that uh everybody else doesn't get and so daniel and i are discussing the um the, the content of that particular podcast where we're, I'm not even going to let that out of the bag at the moment, but we're going to have some other stuff. So and I've been itching to use the buttons on this thing for like <laughs> weeks now. So. You got to give a brother a heads up for you no. do that. I, I like the crap. <laughs> I wasn't either. So I thought you were reaching for the end of the, the outro. And then <laughs> no. that, golly. All right. So uh, until next time, when we turn the mics on, we'd like to thank our guest again, Sheriff Coffee. We really appreciate it. He is a busy man. Uh, we'll see you next time we turn the mics on. You've been listening to Think Like a Man. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. It was kind of a crazy, fun experience. Listen, my whole family loves it, man. I love the show, guys. You're awesome. And we'll see you next time.